everybody. I'm here with another amazing All Access with a composer, Dara Taylor. Dara, thank you so much for uh, sitting down today. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So I know we met just kind of, I think we've crossed paths just, you know, your work with Chris Lennertz and uh, me being at the studio sometimes. Um, but I'm such a huge fan of your music and, you know, been, you know, watching your career grow. And, uh, you know, when I moved out there and seeing you do your projects and everything and and I just, I'm just a huge fan of yours. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this. <laughs> Very nice. So uh, let's talk about your background. Like, uh, I want to go back and talk about, the, do you remember the first time music started entering your life and when did it become, you know, not so much as a hobby and interest and you started to make this as a career? Yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of people, I kind of grew up in music. My mom was the um, choir director at my church um, at the time. Um, so I was always kind of around music and my, you know, dad was always putting on records. My mom told me I used to crawl into her keyboard bag and zip myself up. Um, so, <laughs> um, but I started to, um, you know, I was in school choirs and the bands and the musicals and all of that stuff. And, um, when I graduated, when I graduated high school, I was going to, um, I already knew I where I was going to go. I wasn't entirely sure what I was going to do. I, I originally applied to Cornell as a computer science major um, oh, wow. and took zero computer science classes. Um, <laughs> I had a friend who was like, well, you're always in music. Why don't you study music? And I'm like, and do what with that? Um, so, <laughs> Cause in my mind, you know, even though I obviously heard a lot of film scores and I listened to film scores, it wasn't a thing that I, thought of as a job, you know, I think music, right. you'd think performing, and I think that that's what a lot of people grow up thinking. Um, but I did it anyway, I, I, you know, I switched to, to being a music major. And, you know, studying theory, I was studying classical voice, art songs, arias, all that stuff. Um, but I still knew that while I, you know, loved music, and I, you know, I enjoyed singing, it wasn't really where I saw myself, you know, it didn't, I didn't see myself doing that every day, all day, right. every day. Um, I was very bad at being in the practice room. So um, <laughs> I'm like, this is only going to get more intense later. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can't really cram a practice, even though I would try my best. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so it was uh, sophomore year. I was kind of sitting around listening to um, Harry Gregson Williams, with score to the Wine, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. There you go. And there was a cue that I can't remember the name of at the moment, but it was, I remember the scene. It was, uh, you know, Mr. Thomas is like playing his little flute by the fire and like things are dancing in the fire. Yes, yes. And, um, and something just kind of clicked in that moment where it's like, oh, maybe this, maybe this is my path in music. Um, so I kind of took that moment as a sign, I guess, because I still remember it. Um, and, um, and then I immediately hid that because, um, you know, at the moment, um, at least at, at the time, you know, there was a lot of pretension and, um, film music was looked down on, but, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hid it until the moment it was, um, necessary to apply to grad schools. But I mean, I started studying kind of contemporary classical composition and, um, that sort of things that I would do, you know, arrangements for my acapella group and all that stuff. So I'd find yeah. ways to write. And then there was a electronic music class um, that I took with Kevin Ernst and there was like a film scoring project there. And that was really exciting for me. And I, um, I did like one of my friend's student films while um, 
while I was there. Yeah. Um, yeah. After that, I um, did the NYU uh, film scoring grad program. Um, that is where I initially met Alex Bornstein. Uh, we went to school together and then um, I stayed in New York for a while trying to do it um, and was not doing it well. Uh <laughs> <laughs> New York, yeah, New York is a, I don't know, I, 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 my uncle lives in Hoboken, so I've been up there and I spent time there, but I feel like I could never live in New York. I don't know, I don't know. It's so hectic and crazy. Oh. I love visiting, but. <laughs> I love New York as a city. I love, yeah. I love living there, um, but I didn't think, I just don't think I had the chutzpah to use the oh, word yeah, yeah. to um to try and find something there because there was just less of it and there are people that do it and do great there sure. and like oh yeah, there's some great them. yeah there's a lot of composers yeah. based in New York doing great yeah yeah um I was not one of them you know they say if you can make it there you can make it anywhere but if you can't you pack up your bags and go across the country and you try again LA. in Los Angeles <laughs> so um that is what I did um and my boyfriend and I we moved out to LA. Um, and the only thing I really knew, I didn't, we didn't really know anyone. I had like a couple of college friends that were here, but they weren't in the film business. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, the only thing I knew was the, uh, Society of Composers and Lyricists because, uh, they had a branch in New York and I went to a lot of events there. Um, the NYU, uh, professors were, um, steering committee members. So I, we learned a lot about the SEL. So that was the first thing I did. We came, we moved, we, um, Three days later, I went to a screening of um, uh, Gravity, to give you some um, temporal clues there, yeah. um, with Stephen Price. And um, at the end, uh, Laura Dunn, who was the um, executive administrator yeah, at the time. Right, right, yeah. Um, you know, she has the whole spiel and she talks about, if you ever want to volunteer, let us know. So I walked up to her and I said, hey, I'd like to volunteer. Um, because I felt like it was a good way to kind of get to know people much more quickly than, um, you know, sitting in the, sitting in the corner of a room, holding a drink and it was like, Absolutely. Just, people do I talk to now? Yeah. Awkwardly um, walk up and stand next to a circle. Yeah, exactly. Open up, wait yeah. for them to stop talking to look at me, you know, it's awkward then, it's awkward now. So this way people had a, I had a reason to talk to people. People had a reason to talk to me. Um, right. And, um, and, you know, through there, I kind of met my first industry friend, uh, Catherine Joy. And um, she uh, she was invited by Mark Robertson, the uh, concert master, to... This is a really long story. No, um, it's great. Keep going, keep going. No, because I know all these people you're talking about. So. Yeah, I'm just name dropping everyone. Uh, <laughs> she was invited by Mark Robertson to go to, to, to sit in um, at a revolution scoring session. Mm. Um, which I think was at Sony. So she's like, hey, do you want to come with me? And I'm like, yeah, I want to come with you. Um, this was like the first like live scoring session that I've seen. It was amazing yeah. Um, yeah. to just watch it all happen. And that is where I first met Chris. Um, and Christopher that is Leonard's also where, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's also where I ran into Alex Bornstein again, because Alex was Chris's assistant at the time. Um, okay. And... Um, so we reconnected and, you know, I heard about the Sonic Fuel internship program. So I, um, um, he put me in contact with the studio manager and then I applied for that. And then I was an intern for five months, I think. Um, I think it was a three month program, but we were moving, I don't know. It just made sense to stay on for a little bit right. longer. Maybe it was whatever it was. Um, and then as my internship was ending, 
um, the studio manager at the time was leaving. So then um, I was interim studio manager for another five months. Um, so I just kind of hung around and, um, you know, got to know everyone um, a lot more and kind of prove my general usefulness. Yeah. <laughs> and, what you can do, um, yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not leaving. I'm You're still right. here. Um, <laughs> and then um, by the time that tenure had ended and they hired someone more permanent studio manager, um, Chris was kind of doing some restructuring and needed a um, part-time tech, second tech. So, um, so he brought me on and really Alex brought me on. Um, and I started um, kind of helping assist part-time and then that turned into full-time. And then eventually um, Alex went off on his own and then it was just me and I was score producing and doing additional music and kind of like being everywhere all the time. Yeah. And, like, really enjoying kind of being his left-hand gal. Um, and, um, and yeah, I worked for Chris for, if you include interning, I don't know, almost six years. Wow. Yeah. That's a long so, time. Like, he is and a huge, 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 huge part of my career and life and oh, Chris overall is fantastic. well-being. Yeah. And I remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember being at the Sonic Fuel launch when they opened and everything and just uh, such an amazing space that you got and got to be in as well. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you worked in, in the large capacity with Chris over the, you know, half a decade. Um, taught, and a lot of composers uh, go that road and they work as additional composers and, and they kind of learn the craft that way. Uh, what would you say was the best part of being kind of that role? Did you learn more about the industry than you could have learned anywhere else? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, since being on my own, I'm, I'm thankful. And of course there are still some blind spots that I'm learning and every situation is different. Sure. But one thing that I, don't really have to um i didn't have to like crash learn as i was you know the lead composer is how to deliver how you know how to kind of deal with execs and music supervisors and music editors and all of these people that are part of the overall gestalt of the music department right. um because that i've watched and learned and globbed on as much information as i could during my time there so um i didn't have to learn how to be a studio composer i just needed to write it now exactly. uh, <laughs> and of course there are lots of things you know there you, you realize okay you know the basics but there's all this other stuff that you got to learn but you know I, I know how to deliver a you know i know how to deliver a movie to a dub oh, yeah. um, <laughs> um and um you know and you know, I, I kind of had a team in place as I started out because, um, you know, my, my friend Josh Margolis was kind of like this, the second engineer um, for Chris for years. And he's now my lead engineer. And like, you know, I deal, yeah. you know, I, I'm at Craft Angle. I, I, am at, I, I use the same copyist, you know, it's like um, I had already formed a lot of relationships that um were very imperative when it came time to like go fast because things changed faster um, for me than I would have anticipated. So, yeah. um, which I'm very thankful for, but yeah, um, I'm really glad that I had all these relationships in place. Yeah, I think some people don't realize how, and I think the one part I miss about of, of living in LA is kind of what the great community, the composer community is and the music community. And it's a big city, it's a crazy city, it's a difficult city, but having places like the SCL and, you know, I was editor of the magazine there. I know you're still working. I mean, you did a great job with the app. I know I saw your name, I think. Oh, it's the yeah. app and <laughs> like, I'm just helping the out. The previous version that. of that, but yeah. The they previous version. Yeah. 
<laughs> but it's like yeah, helping out and stuff like that and and people just supporting each other and i think that's fantastic and especially yeah. yeah with techs and publicists and agents kind of you know but um but enough about all the crazy business stuff i just want to you know talk to you maybe just in general just about your your process as a, as a composer and as a storyteller and i like to ask composers this, the same question because i feel like every question the answer is different but for you where does the first note come from when you're sitting down and you're starting on a project what i mean i'm sure it's gonna be different for every project but like where do you usually gravitate towards you towards do you like to see the first cut of the film if you're lucky enough to be early do you like to read the script or just talk with the filmmakers like what's kind of your process to get that first initial idea out of your head yeah i mean i've been i've been fortunate um recently to be on kind of at the script stage and i i love that i love being able to yeah. like percolate ideas and kind of divorce the um the creative from the delivery um because uh, you know when you're on it's like okay you're starting we deliver this and a month and a half go um it's all kind of one one big thing and it's like yeah i would have loved to do that do we have time to do that i don't know and like you second guess all yourself all yourself on all these things because you're thinking of the logistics of it and right. maybe that was maybe that's also one of those one downsides of like you know being the logistics person for so many years i'm like mm, this seems difficult um, <laughs> but um, but yeah i mean um if it's script stage then i you know have lots of conversations with the filmmakers um early on if it's script plus a little bit of you know dailies or boards or anything um that i can get an idea of you know the characters and the way they present themselves and their mannerisms and their gates and their speech patterns and all that stuff i love all of that too yeah. um but I, for me, the first note kind of comes, I mean, I, I'll usually kind of sit down at the piano or the guitar or humming or one of, one of those things, depending on the vibe of the um of Do the you score. like, I know a lot of composers like record their, they'll just hum into their phone and stuff. Do you do that as well? Oh, I've got like all of these like voice menu or voice <laughs> memos and they just say like new recording this date on this highway. And I'm like, yeah, that was dangerous. Um, <laughs> but, but when it comes to you gotta record it um, yeah yeah because the idea will just disappear five. yeah when you're sitting in traffic yeah still <laughs> blow up my game voice memo but um <laughs> yeah um for me it i think the first thing that i like to find is kind of the instrumentation um because sometimes i'll play around with some sort of thematic idea and it was like this isn't working you know you try on piano i'm like there's just something wrong about this but then you try putting it in a clarinet or putting it on the guitar and all of a sudden it has more life to it and you're like oh okay this is what yeah. come next after that um so i find the most effective way for me to kind of speak through a character or a, or a situation is to kind of find its voice first and then go from there Absolutely. And, and you've gotten to work on you know, a number of different genres as well. And as a composer, would you say that each genre of filmmaking comes with its own different approach? Like, does a comedy score require different music than an action score versus drama? Or do you just kind of just, you're just there telling the story? What's kind of your take on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, each has a different approach and, you know, sometimes a different set of instruments and all of that. But um, I don't know, I'm very thankful for like, you know, my my comedy school because um, <laughs> um, I worked on a lot of comedies while working with Chris as well and I think it just kind of helps 
not just in comedy, but in drama and in yes, horror. Yeah. Um, finding horror the, specifically, yeah, I think. Yeah, finding very, spotting yeah. and finding places to um, to drop out or to sustain um, and really kind of tell and shape the scenes more dramatically. And I think, you know, you're able to kind of paste over more things in, in mm. dramas. Um, so I think you learn um, much more quickly about how to find the most shape for a scene through comedy. And then you can strip that away if, um, if necessary. Yeah. Um, but that helped me a lot with my animation as well is, you know, when I, I did a lot of animation this year and I didn't do a whole lot of animation before, but I did a lot of comedy and they kind of go hand in hand because a lot of it is just speaking, it's very crafted it's very particular yeah, yeah 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 exactly whereas yeah. like yeah timing and i mean the way you mentioned it is perfect because yeah horror and comedy and animation is all about timing and just you know in animation everything is frame by frame literally created from scratch so there's yeah. not any <laughs> and uh yeah and we're both in the same yeah we both have the same kind of boss now we have sam register above us oh yeah runs, that's true <laughs> he runs warner brothers animation he also runs uh, cartoon network studios so i saw you with little ellen i thought that was awesome i was in meetings yeah. there with hbo max talking and they're talking about little ellen. Like, oh it's star show so <laughs> um but uh and mentioning comedy though you 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 also recently scored um uh barb and star go to vista del mar which my wife and I loved and enjoyed, and uh, you got to co-score co that with Chris. So maybe just briefly talk about, yeah, scoring that kind of comedy, especially when you have two leads that are, I mean, they carry the film with their performance and how do you navigate that musically? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was a really great experience. It was my first COVID movie. Um, at the time we thought it was going to be the only COVID movie, but surprise. <laughs> um, <laughs> Two years later. And, <laughs> all the movies are COVID movies, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, Chris was uh, really gracious enough to kind of bring me on to that. And um, yeah, and a lot of it was was spotting and timing because, you know, they're so funny. Um, and the last thing you want to do is get in the way of a exactly. joke. Exactly, yeah. Um, or even lead up to jokes so much. Um, and is, you know, is it a physical gag or is it a, a you know, is it a punchline? And like, you want right. to treat those differently um physical gags or like sharp cuts i think it's um it's easier to like drop out and kind of have that whole moment um be a shift but if it's just a punchline you don't want to lead up to that um right. so um no it was great and it, you know it, it was so layered it's like yes it's a comedy but it's also like a, a heist and an adventure and an action yeah, and like yeah. a tropical <laughs> I feel like what Chris gets you. into a lot of those mixed genre films. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very mixed genre. So we got a chance to play around with a lot of things, you know, a lot of yeah. Latin percussion and also, um, you know, opera singer and also <laughs> <laughs> also big orchestral moments. So um, yeah, it was a really fun project to work on. Absolutely. And uh, coming back to Little Ellen, which is, again, you know, I work in children's animation. I work in Cartoon Network Studios, uh, even though we're kind of branching out and doing a little bit more, you know, not just kids six to 11 or preschool or anything, but talk about, you know, a lot of people I think kind of just look over that stuff, whether it's Disney Junior, Disney Junior or uh, Cartoonito now with HBO Max and stuff like that. But talk about composing for that audience. And did you have to approach it in any different way? Did you, I mean, you know, I, I grew up on like Don Bluth and stuff like that and, you know, all these filmmakers, but how do you treat the emotional kind of, arcs for a, a, ch a children's show like a children's show like that yeah 
I like to say that um, in animation, I am the loudest version of myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas, like, you know, you you play it hard, no matter what it is, because the stakes are always high for children. Right. Um, so, and you, you play it as earnestly as you can, you know? Um, so with little Ellen, you know, what they what the filmmakers wanted um, was, you know, because it takes place in New Orleans, is to have, you know, pretend like there's a New Orleans street band just off screen mm. and they're commenting on the music. Um, so that was the instrumentation that we used for the vast majority. And then other things come in stylistically if there's, you know, you know, a Halloween episode or a noir right. episode and all of that stuff. But like, I, I love pot brass and it was really fun to write for pot brass every day. Um, I bet, um, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, just like trumpet, saxes, trombone, bass, and um, and then, you know, synths for orchestra and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, mean. Yeah, it I always find that our shows usually, and, you know, really kind of get, allow for that kind of creativity and just to explore and do and do stuff that you would not normally get to do even in whether it's like a Pixar film or something but just have television animation which is also the last I know place where you can find 2D animation as well you know so yeah yeah so. and it was you know it was a lot of fun doing like okay what is what is like our little island New Orleans world um version of this genre um, of music and this genre of animation and all that stuff, you know? So um, it's still kind of looking at everything through this lens and then peppering into taste. Um, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there's, you know, but there, there are a lot of shifts, shifts and changes throughout scenes and throughout sentences and all that stuff. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, scoring for animation and scoring for live action are definitely different um, animals. Yeah, and then of course the, the the episodes are much shorter as well, you know. So you're looking, or you do eleven minutes, or are they twenty two minutes? Yeah, yeah, they're eleven minute episodes. Eleven minutes, yeah. So what we that's what we typically do is eleven minutes. So, yeah. yeah. So it's, you're you're telling the story in a very short amount of time. So yeah. and then, um, but, but you're, uh, you're screaming at them the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Watch the television. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look away. <laughs> um but yeah i mean that's amazing that i mean just down the street at warner brothers you know we're up olive so but yeah sam awesome. you know, manages both studios so i get to see him yeah. a lot <laughs> our checks um, get signed by the same person <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into uh your movie that's coming out uh this month the tender bar uh directed i think by some up-and-coming filmmaker george clooney uh was, yeah, might have heard of him i don't know yeah obviously. new guy new guy on the ben affleck you know whatever mm -hmm. but uh so this that's amazing so congratulations on this project i think it's so exciting yeah. <laughs> i'm so happy for you um just so talk i mean people are probably curious how'd you get involved with this how did you come to be working on this project yeah i mean it was it was a crazy phone call to get let me tell you um <laughs> i think um sarah my agent was I think this was the day right before she went on maternity leave. And she's like, hey, uh, so <laughs> I've got I've got Laura on the line. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically it's a, um, I mean, it, it's such a sweet movie and it's so charming. Yeah. And um, um, it's very song heavy. 
um, there's a lot of songs in needle drops. And I think initially they thought that it would be all needle drops. Mm. And then as they got further in the edit, um, they decided that, you know, some score was necessary to tie some things together and for emotional beats and, and all of that. So, um, and because it was a, s a smaller amount of score, they, you know, they wanted to, um, they wanted to try and to, to try, you know, someone that was, uh, local and someone that was, um, you know, a little earlier on in their sure. career and kind of get them, a, um, like up, which was great. Um, so I had actually done an episode of, um, a docuseries on Netflix that, uh, George and his producing partner Grant had yeah, Grant produced yeah. called uh, Trial by Media, and that's a um, that's a gig I got because of the Sundance Lab, um, which is a whole other thing. We could have a whole other conversation. Yeah, I know you're a part of that. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, Yancey Ford was one of the mentors at the Sundance Lab, and he reached out mm -hmm. to me later on and asked if I would be interested in in um, you know, scoring this episode, and I did something else for him um, later on as well, and uh, and yeah, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize you guys paid attention to that. And they're like, yeah, we paid attention. That's amazing. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that was an incredible ride, and um, everyone was really great to work with, and as gracious as you could ever imagine, and. Um, yeah, so we uh, we recorded that in September. Oh yeah, so that's not yeah. too long, not too long ago. Wow, so yeah. so that's when I was emailing you, and then you're just like, I'm yeah. busy right now. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, talk talk to me in December. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so you mentioned the needle drops, and I've 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 talked to composers who've worked on you know navigating that that territory of needle drops of when to score to come in, when to come out. And this movie does seem like it's a, you know, it's a heartwarming and a lot of movies lean into that kind of melodrama and embrace it. And, and, you know, some people say that's a, it's a negative thing and it can be depending on what tone you're going for, but I think this really embraces it and wants to be a heartwarming, you know, drama with something of comedic touching moments. Um, talk about finding that tone and what did the score have to do between the needle drops uh, and the project? Yeah, so it really needed to add, um, for lack of a better word, tenderness, and yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and also um, some kind of bittersweet melancholy, um, which is kind of the general emotion that the main character feels throughout the movie until he kind of like comes into himself and you know yeah, it's following Jr. It's a based on his memoir, and it's just from childhood to early adulthood, and I mean you're carrying yeah. that character throughout. Like, it's yeah, family dynamics and relationship dynamics and all of that stuff. So, um, so in addition to you know creating a theme that would um, that would carry on from beginning to the end, um, and I think when there are so many needle drops, you notice the theme more often when it comes in because it's right. like, oh, okay, that's a you know that's something familiar um, versus you know individualized uh, songs. So, um, yeah, but we wanted, you know, it's a, it's very kind of sweet and uh, simple, you know, acoustic guitar, strings, piano, the whole, that whole vibe. Um, and we wanted it to not be so disparate from the needle drops, right? Um, but still, you know, have its own character. Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
what was uh, looking back at it? What was the most rewarding part of the project for you? Um, I mean, I really enjoyed uh, going to the the premiere and <laughs> meeting everyone in person. Um, that was that was um, pretty cool. But I mean, I think just in general, just working with that wonderful group of humans and. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah um, I guess we're gonna rewind a little back. Rewind a little bit back. Yeah, talk about working. I guess during COVID on something like this and how and and navigating that. And are you just on Zoom calls with uh, George Clooney all the time? Like, how is that? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, how was your summer? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah yeah we we had a few Zooms and phone calls and emails and all that to kind of get the tone right. Um, cause it like, it took a couple of tries to kind of nail, nail that down. And, um, yeah, but I mean, the, I would have meetings with, um, uh, him and Grant and the editor and music mm. editor. Um, and you know, everyone's at home. I think George was in Italy at the time, um, according to the tabloids, <laughs> but <laughs> I bet. Um, yeah. But it was, it was, I guess at that point, I had done enough kind of Zoom movies for yeah. it, you know, for everyone to kind of get a lot of the um, kinks out with software and stuff as well. Right, right. Um, and, you know, it, I think it's also, it was also probably a little less intimidating for me. Um, <laughs> to just have it be on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at the beginning i'm like oh what do i do um so um no but it was it was a really great experience from start yeah. to finish and then getting to be at the premiere and i mean was it just great to me yeah just to shake everyone's hands and just talk and finally celebrate all that work i mean it must have been great <laughs> yeah no it was, it was really great to um to finally kind of be together yeah it was sort of my first you know post you know, vaccination and all that stuff event. So um, it's also nice to leave the house. And I'm sure. <laughs> Actually dress up and have somewhere to go. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, congratulations again. I mean, such an amazing accomplishment. And, the, you know, the film comes out uh, in theaters this month and it'll be on Prime in, in January. Um, uh, so is there anything that's uh, in the works right now that you can share? I know there's NDAs and stuff, but is there anything that uh, we can look forward to? I don't, I never really know when I'm allowed to talk about things. So then we should um, probably yes, just keep it quiet. There are things coming <laughs> up things. and um, they'll be exciting when they come out. Yeah. When the, when the studios <laughs> announces, that's when it's, I guess, okay to yeah. talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep everyone's jobs. Yay. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds cool. But um, yeah, working on a few things, um, comedies and dramas, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, actually today um, I have a, um, uh, Blumhouse uh, TV movie uh, called American Refugee that um, Ali LaRoy directed. That's out on Epics today. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> and I did a um, lifetime holiday movie called Holiday in Santa Fe. That's oh, yeah, with Mario Lopez, right? Yeah, Mario Lopez. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, next year, I, you know, I, I hit, a, hit a bunch of different studios and it'll 
it'll be a fun year. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dara, thank you so much for, for talking today. It's so great catching up and, and, and thank you for sharing some of your insight and uh, we'll talk again maybe then to next year when uh, you have a lot of more projects on your plate. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs>